So we're moving through uh, Matthew 24, as you know. Um, this is, um, by the way, um, interesting, when you moved, pulled in, this is Palm Sunday. You saw the palms that look like they grew out of the uh, ground of there. Um, I, I was just trivia, but we call it Palm Sunday, but uh, what else did they put down? Did anybody know? They put their coats or their clothes down. So we don't call it clothes Sunday, but they put palms down and clothes. Where we're at in the, um, in the life and times of Jesus, we're in Matthew 24. We're in the fifth discourse. He, this is the final week. Uh, so before he is crucified, probably Wednesday or Thursday, before his crucifixion, Palm Sunday was already passed. I think that was chapter 21, if I remember right, somewhere in that area. And then, so we're moving through um, before he's going to be crucified on what we call Good Friday. So before he uh, leaves, the disciples ask him, uh, he had been a discussion with the, uh, in the temple with the Pharisees and, he, uh, and the Sadducees, and he pronounced all the woes upon them. We move into 24, Jesus goes out, they see the temple, and Jesus said, this temple's going to be destroyed. And, of course, we saw that that actually happened in 70 A.D., uh, that the temple was destroyed and rocks were, uh, huge rocks the size of semi-trucks were, were overturned and burned and destroyed. Uh, and then the disciples asked him three questions in verse 3. He sat on the Mount of Olives, and the disciples came to him privately, saying, Tell us when these things will be. What will be the sign of your coming? And, and, of course, the end of the age. And so we're working through Matthew 24. We've done some extensive background on the views of the um, eschatology and how they enter into Matthew 24. So I know I'm repeating myself, but I want to be clear here. Uh, Dave will be, hopefully, dependent on faith, taking 25 and going back into 24 and giving a little different view completely different view on eschatology. So we're looking at this through what's known uh, as traditionally pre-trib, pre-millennial view. Um, and so the, uh, I think Dave's going to look at through maybe through the all-millennial. We, we have, um, just so we understand, uh, this is called dispensational pre-tribulation. It's, very, it's been popular since... Uh, Darby in the in 1800s, and then uh, Schofield in 1920s. Uh, Dallas Seminary teaches it. It's very popular in the churches, uh, a lot of the churches. So uh, we've discussed in, in length about the good men and bad men on each side of, the, of this aisle, and there's really not a consensus. Our own church has a view that Christ will come. We do not take a position here but since we're teaching through Matthew 24, we're going to look at some different views here. The, uh, the, the all-millennial view basically would say the Old Testament, Christ's death, the kingdom, Christ will, uh, there'll be a, a, a falling away, and then there'll be a judgment return. And Dave can go into more detail. On the pre-trib, we have the Old Testament and the church. The church and the Jews are separate. They are not together. They are not one. There will be a falling away. There'll be a tribulation uh, or a, a rapture, which uh, we'll talk about that in a minute. And then there'll be a seven-year tribulation. Christ will come, and there'll be a thousand-year millennium. And so we're looking at Matthew 24 through this lens 
somewhat related to that is what's called historic dispensationalism, which is Old Testament, Christ, there will be a falling away, but there will be no rapture. There will be a seven-year, probably a seven-year tribulation. Christ will return. There will be some kind of millennium, but not necessarily a thousand years, literally a thousand years. So um, in, in this view, the pre-trib, pre-millennial view, the, um, uh, the Jews will be restored as a, as a nation and as a people. Uh, in this view, there are some mixed views. And then, of course, at the end, there will be a judgment and the, uh, there will be eternal life for those who are in Christ and eternal judgment for those who are not. So we're looking at that, again, through the pre-trib, pre-millennial view. So any questions or thoughts on that So before we move on? Okay, so we've been uh, talking here, uh, verses 3 through um, 12. Um, Well, probably verses 3 through 14. Um, there's different opinions on from the uh, from the pre-trib premillennial view if this is actually talking about the tribulation or if this is leading up to the time of the tribulation. And uh, on this chart, it would be before what they expect to be called the rapture. Um, well, so, in my opinion, verses three through fourteen is leading up to this time of tribulation. It is not the tribulation itself. Uh, you'll see uh, some different views on that. Uh, we looked at um, verse uh, 12 last week. Uh, we stopped with this. Verse 11, many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because of lawlessness, lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he endures to the end will be saved. This is the gospel. The kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and when the end, uh, and then the end will come. So, in this view of eschatology, the gospel goes out after the time of Christ, some now 2,000 years, and when one of the things that will happen is when it is preached to all the world, when all nations, ethnic groups hear it, they will be, that will be the end of the time, and then that will trigger... Um, the last, uh, last great events. And so in verse 13, uh, the one that in, in 12, that their love grows cold, I don't think they were ever true believers. Um, this is what we looked at last week for in, sec- in, uh, in uh, John, where he says they went out from us because they were never part of us. Uh, what we have in verse 13 is a contrast to verse 12. Those that persevere to the end are the true believers. So we have the ones that will persevere, will walk away, whose love uh, will grow cold. Those who profess Christ, but at the end of time will uh, walk away. But then you also have the true believers in verse 13, who endures to the end will be saved. This is not a new statement for Jesus. Uh, We have seen that in uh, chapter 10. Uh, Jesus has mentioned this before. I think it's verse 22 here. Let me just turn there. In 10:22, uh, Jesus says, "And you will be hated by all, uh, all by names for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved." This is when he sent out the twelve, and 
uh, and so he's, he's used this type of language before. Um, certainly, we want to be clear here that endurance is not, does not make us saved. Uh, it is not, endurance is not what brings us into salvation. Endurance is a sign of salvation. He who endures to the end is the one that's a true believer. In fact, that's contrasted, as I said, with the one whose love grows cold. Um, MacArthur says a true believer is kept by the power of God, and we know that. Uh, but uh, there is a sign of a believer. The falling away or not enduring is proof that they were never saved. Uh, so at, in, at this time, as we approach uh, the time of the what what we would say the tribulation period, the things will grow worse and worse. There will be some who walk away, some who will remain faithful. And as the, uh, as the events become worse and worse, there will be this uh, walking away of, of uh, Christians or falling away. Uh, First Peter, uh, he puts it like this. First uh, Peter 1. 1 through 5, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims in dispersion, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God and sanctification of the spirit, spirit for the obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope to the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. So endurance is not what brings us to justification. Endurance is what proves that we were justified. And then he says here, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. And then verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So those that endure to the end will be saved. They are already saved. The idea is, is this is proof that they were true uh, believers. So any, any questions or thoughts there? You see where we're moving? We're moving closer to what, in this view of eschatology, will be called the tribulation. We're moving to that period, that decline. Uh, all the views would see a falling away. Dave mentioned last week, uh, and I talked a couple weeks ago about post-millennialism um, and we just, I've decided not to even include that because it's really at this point in history not a, not a really uh, well-held view. And so we're going to look at these, uh, these kind of views here. Um, notice here, um, uh, these warnings um, I think are good for us in Scripture. We find these type of warnings uh, throughout Hebrews um, and they're, they're for believers to remind them of what God has done for them. Uh, in Jude, um, we see the warning and the promise together. This is kind of an interesting. You know this passage, Jude 20, or excuse me, Jude 21. Notice here, um, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And then in verse 24, we have the promise. We have the warning in 21. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. And then to our great God and Savior. So when you see verses like this that say uh, are warning passages, 
he who endures to the end will be saved. We also reminded that we're kept by the power of God, and a lot of times these go together. Um, I won't take, if you uh, want a good explanation on this, you can look at the uh, London Confession of Faith, the 1689. Uh, There's a whole section here on the perseverance of the saints, but it says saints are those who God has accepted in Christ the beloved and effectually called and sanctified by his spirit. To them he has given the precious faith that pertains to all elect. The persons to whom such blessings have been imparted can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace. And then it goes on from there. But uh, I would recommend you uh, reading that sometime because it's a good reminder of what God is doing. Even in times of tribulation and times of trial, he is still persevering or he is still um, saving his people. Now let's look on to verse uh, 14 here. And this, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations and as to the end to come. Um, MacArthur says here, despite all the tribulation that would come, the deception of false teachers and wars, we saw that earlier, um, that um, and all the obstacles, the gospel will spread. The message ultimately penetrates every part of the globe. God is never without a witness and will proclaim the gospel from heaven. Then itself is necessary. So, again, from this, this view, the gospel goes out into all the world before the, the rapture and before the time of tribulation, and it will be preached um, to all then. And we're seeing that, I think, today as the gospel's going out, Barbara and Daniel and others, into places that have never seen the gospel, never heard the gospel, uh, languages and um, are. are and the gospel is going out. So any questions on the first 14 verses? Any thoughts, comments? John? Yeah, and I don't want to say too much, but when we look at this all-millennial view, they do have a, a, an answer for that, uh, for verse 14. So, But, yes, from our perspective here, um, it's interesting. We talked about when, after uh, Christ rose again in, in Acts, the first question the apostles ask is, uh, are you going to now restore your kingdom? Uh, they were still confused even at that point, they didn't see it as future, even though Christ seems to be pointing to great future events. Um, and uh, as John said, they had more in common with the prophets looking forward. Dave? Yeah.
passage is like, it is a good perspective because passages like this we read, we think it's only going to happen to the apostles or to somebody else. But these are passages that are general also. They're specific, but they're general that um, everyone that lives godly will suffer persecution. Uh, and and that, is a, that is a principle to all of us, not specific to the apostles. So, yeah, these are difficult times. I think I talked when uh, all of the apostles were killed except for John. Um, in, in some, form of, some form of martyrdom. And so certainly this did come true for them in the first century. Um, all right, any other thoughts? All right, let's look at 15 uh, through 26 is really a section here. So this is where it gets interesting. And I'm going to take some uh, liberties here, and you're going to have to, uh, I'm going to assume some things here. Um, I really wish Keith was sitting back there this morning. It would, it would be wonderful. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains, and let them who are in the housetops do not go down or take anything out of the house, and let him who is in the field go not go back to his clothes, but woe to those who are pregnant and those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that you, your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation such as not seen in the beginning of the world until the time nor ever will be. I'm going to stop there for a minute. Um, so this is really where the pre-trib, pre-millennial view uh, makes its declaration, as it were. Um, in this view, I'm, again, I'm assuming some, some uh, common understanding here. <clears throat> the tribulation, is, oh, excuse me, up here is seven years. And so in the midst of that seven-year period, the three and a half years, there is going to be what's called the Great Tribulation. And we'll look at that as we go here. So... Um, the uh, as verses four through fourteen were general, I would see, and I think this view comes claims that this is descriptive of what's known as the great tribulation. The rapture is not here in Matthew uh, twenty four. Um, one of the one of the um, arguments against this view is that the rapture is not taught in Matthew twenty four. Um, some say that it is, but we'll see that it's really not. You have to force it, the issue. So with this view, we're saying that um, that there is a rapture, and then after the rapture, three and a half years, will be this time of desolation and uh, abomination. Um, this is, like I said, the great tribulation. So he says here in verse 15, when you see this happening, as spoken by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place. And then Jesus says in verse 16, flee, get out of town now before, uh, get, get, get out of town when you see these things. So what is it that Daniel saw? And what is it that the prophet or Jesus is talking about here? Again, I have to take some liberty here that, that since we've already studied Daniel, um, that we could talk about this for weeks and months, and I, I really don't want to spend that time doing it. I don't think it's profitable for us. 
I'm assuming some familiarity with all of us here, but let's just look at a couple passages here. Um, Daniel, uh, let's look at some uh, time in history. Turn with me to 927, Daniel 927. Bear with me here because this gets a little confusing. Um, As I said on my introduction, one of the... uh, one of the best things about the pre-trib premillennial view is they have really good maps and good charts. And so um, they would have a chart for this. My chart's not so good here. But anyway, uh, so Jesus refers to something that happened by the prophet Daniel uh, years before, probably, uh, let's say, five, for sake of argument, 550 B.C., so 550 years before this. Uh, in Daniel 9, 27, we read this. Um, let me see. And then he shall confirm a covenant with many for one week, but in the middle of the week he shall bring an end to the sacrifice and offering, and the wing of the abomination shall be who, one who makes desolate, even under the consumption which is determined is poured out on the desolate. So there's this abomination and desolation mentioned in Daniel chapter 9. It's mentioned in Daniel chapter 11, verse 31. Again, this is what Jesus is referring back to. Um, The forces shall be mustered by him, and they shall defile the sanctuary and the fortress, and they shall take away the daily sacrifices and place there the abomination of desolation. And then we find the same in chapter 12, um, verse 11. Uh, and at that time, the daily sacrifice is taken away, and the abomination of desolation is set up. And then it says, There shall be um, 1,290 days. Blessed is he who waits and comes to the, uh, the end. So, Again, understanding that we could spend weeks and months on this, um, I would let's just kind of walk through this. In this view of the pre-trib, pre-millennial, in the middle of this view here, there will be a one called the Antichrist, and he will come, and he will fulfill Jesus' prediction here. He will. Uh, bring an abomination and a sacrifice. What happened in, um, let me go back in history a little bit, uh, and, and we'll get some, um, we'll get some, uh, just an understanding. In Daniel, Daniel had visions, and he foresaw the uh, Babylonian, the Media Persian, the Greek, and the Roman Empire. And so, uh, what what is talked about here in these passages happens during or part of the Greek Empire and before the Roman Empire. And so um, if you remember, and Dave was, did a great job on this, Alexander uh, conquered the world, the Greek, uh, as it were, the known world at the time. He dies at the age of 33, and then they, um, the kingdom... Uh, is turned over and divided amongst how many generals? Anybody remember? Besides Dave. 
four generals. All right, I had to look it up this week. So stay with me because I'm kind of I'm giving you the big picture, and we'll get down to where this uh, view. Um, Seleucus was one of the generals. He dies, and um, anyway, about 175 BC, uh, there's a guy named Antiochus Epiphanes. He's the king. And so Daniel's vision is specific about this person in 175 BC. And so it, it was a real person. Anybody know what he did? He hated the Jews. And so he went in and he put a pig on the altar and he killed it. Of course, a pig would have been the desolation of abomination, and the Jews went crazy. Uh, and so when we read in Daniel, we're reading of a real person in about 175 B.C. It actually happened. So Jesus picks up on this language and moves it to the future. And he says, when you see this happening again, then you'll know that you're in the middle of the Great Tribulation. So, again, in this view, in this view here, the, this would happen in the middle of the seven-year period or the Great Tribulation. Um, and so, um, by doing that, Antiochus Epiphanes uh, was the first with the desolation of abomination. Jesus said that it's going to happen again. When you see that happening again, Beware, because this is really the end of all ends. This is the end of all time. So, um, I don't know how much to go into this. Um, If you uh, look back to Daniel 9 a minute, I'm just going to give an overview here. Daniel 9:24 And Daniel's prophecy that 70 weeks are determined for your people and for your holy city this is Daniel to finish the transgressions and to make an end of the sin and to reconciliation for iniquity and to bring an everlasting righteousness to seal up the vision of the prophecy and to anoint the most high now uh, know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the command to restore the building of Jerusalem, that would be uh, the, of Jerusalem, which would be Nehemiah and uh, and um, Ezra the priest, and probably Zerubbabel at that time. From that time forward, Daniel's Daniel's looking forward some probably fifty years, let's say, or maybe more. He said from that time. To restore the building until the Messiah, the Prince, there shall be 70 weeks and 62 weeks. The street shall be built again, and the wall, and even the troublesome. And then after 62 weeks, the Messiah shall be cut off, but not for himself and the people, but of the Prince who is to come, shall destroy the city and the sanctuary, and end up, and it shall be with a flood. Without going into great detail, the weeks are years. And so from the time of the Messiah, from the time of the building of the temple to the time of the Jesus coming is, is looked at as 69 years, which would be, what, 430-some years. And so it figures out that from, from the time of 
the rebuilding of the temple until the time Christ is crucified is about 435, 440 years. And so um, it would appear that Daniel's prophecy has uh, come true and that um, it, and it certainly has come true. Um, there is a missing week, which is called the 70th week of Daniel. There's only 69 weeks mentioned here. There's the 70th week, and that week is, is considered to be the time of tribulation. So I know I'm skipping some here, but I'm also trying to get us through this so we don't get completely bogged down. Um, Daniel's prediction was that from the time of the rebuilding of the temple to the time the Messiah will be cut off will be uh, about 440 years. From that, that's the 69 weeks. From that time on, there's a second, there's a last week, a seventh week, and that week is actually this week, that tribulation week. And so uh, that is the importance uh, of that view. Um, so in the middle of that week, in the middle of that week is what Jesus is referring to when the abomination of desolation will happen. It will physically happen in the middle of that seven-year period, and there will be um, one who will go into the temple and who will lay uh, the Antichrist and will lay a pig or some sort of defiled animal on the altar and kill it, and that will be the desolation of abomination that Daniel spoke of and that Jesus has spoken of. So does that, does that make sense? Is that clear where we're at, that we need more explanation? Now, there's one problem with that, this teaching here. What is it? What don't we have? With that, we don't have a temple, Right? That's one of the big problems with the view of the pre-trib, pre-millennial view, is that the temple needs to be rebuilt. And you will hear people, when I was a kid, there's all kinds of speculation about the material for the temple. I remember being at camp, and the material for the temple is already on trains, and it's ready to be transported. Anybody else ever hear that? And Yeah, so I, whether that's true or not, I don't know. And what, what my youth directors ever had is inside information in the trains, I don't know. But anyway, that's one of the problems with this view is that the temple has to be rebuilt first. Uh, but in the middle of the seven-year period, there will be daily sacrifices. They will be taken away, and the Antichrist will break the covenant that he had made with Israel. And so that's, that's the understanding of what Jesus is talking about in Matthew 24, referring back to Daniel some 450 years before that. Um, so uh, I know it's a little bit confusing, but I also don't want to spend weeks on it uh, because I don't think it's profitable, really, in the long run. Um, but I do think it's, it's important for us to at least be able to uh, defend our position or at least be able to say this is the wrong position and here's what we do believe. Um, and so keep in mind, uh, God's in control and Christ will return. 
whatever happens with, this, with our own interpretation of this, those things are going to happen. Um, so, um, let's look at Second Thessalonians a minute. Second Thessalonians two, uh, again a familiar passage. One and two, Paul speaking here. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together in him, we ask you not to soon be shaken in mind or trouble, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as it was from us, as though the daily, as though the day of Christ had already come. Let no one deceive you by any means that the day of the Lord will not come unless there be a falling away that comes first. And so uh, in, in this view here, we have the falling away, and then Jesus' words in the Matthew 24, this desolation of abomination that will occur in the middle of that 70th week of Daniel, which never was fulfilled. And at that time, uh, the... Uh, the, the tribulation will continue for another uh, three and a half uh, years from there. So, um, again, this view, this pre-trib, pre-millennial view is held by many professing evangelicals. That's the view that I was taught when we were kids. It's the prevalent view in many churches, um, you, we talked before about the movies, uh, The Thief in the Night and other movies like that. How Lindsay's books have become very popular with this view. So uh, we're just looking at that. Uh, as I said, there's a major problem. That is, if there's going to be an immediate return of Christ, then if you go back three and a half years, you've got to have a temple built. And so I, I'm trying to be fair here as I can. There are some problems with this view, and that being one of them, you'd have to build a temple even if Christ came today in three and a half, or if the rapture occurred today, you'd have to have a temple in three and a half years, and there's something sitting there right now called the Mount of the Dome, and it's controlled by the uh, Islamic nation, and it's been there for probably a thousand years, and so um, you would have to have that temple come down and somehow a new temple built quickly. And so with this view, the immediate return of Christ is dependent on having that temple and sacrifices again into that, uh, restored into there. Um, so having, that, having said that, let's look back at Matthew 24 a minute uh, and notice just some of Jesus' warnings. In verse 13 or 16, let him who is in Judea flee to the mountains. Why Judea, you think, is mentioned here? It's in close proximity to Jerusalem, and if the temple is going to be destroyed, or if, it, if there's going to be great tribulation, they would be the first to see it. And so we, he, he gives this, uh, uh, it's, uh, it's obvious here, uh, they will flee immediately to the mountains, and um, if you look at uh, verse 16 uh, here, um, 
Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down or take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant, to those who are nursing babies in those days. And so there's this warning that when you see these things coming, the sign um, is that Jesus spoke of in chapter 24, verse 3, I believe is the desolation and abomination in in verse 15. When you see those things, when you see this happening, flee to the mountains. Do not stay. Get out. If you're nursing, uh, this is that people that will be going through this great tribulation. It will be a time as I've never seen or will never be seen by men or women again. So, I'm going to close there this week, um, and we'll pick it up um, maybe next or two weeks when we get back. So any final...